Hello, gorgeous friends, and welcome to the Embracing Enough podcast. You know, I've always said that women and girls have some incredible stories to tell. And that's what we do here. We share our stories in order for others to feel seen, heard, and hopefully less alone. This is your host, Dina Skippa, founder of Enough Labs, and I am so excited that you're here. And this is our fourth season. I still can't believe it. When I started out this podcast, I had no idea of the types of stories that we would tell, and even more, the impact that we would have. And here we are, continuing to have some much needed conversations around our enoughness, our confidence, and how to own our truth. This season, well, we're doing things a little differently, choosing to shine a spotlight on those who are brave enough to be called a disruptor. We're going deep with folks who have chosen to disrupt things for the better, even if it meant that they had to be the blueprint to do it. It's gonna get real over here, but the hope is that you walk away from each episode feeling more inspired to be a disruptor yourself, whatever that looks like for you, all while embodying the essence of joy, courage, and permission. Listen, I've been on my own journey of embracing my own enoughness, for a very long time. And this season, it just feels like perfect timing to unpack what being a disruptor looks like and how it connects to our own personal definitions of confidence. Let's get into it. Hello friends, it's your girl Dina and we are officially back for season four of the Embracing Enough podcast and I am so grateful to each and every one of you who is listening. Now, whether this is your first episode that you're tapping into or if you've been a part of the OG crew for a while now, I'm just happy you're here. (laughs) So if you don't know, Last season, season three, was actually the first season that I dedicated all of the shows that we recorded to one specific topic. And last year, it was all about unlearning. We had coaches, entrepreneurs, and dear friends of mine come on and talk about what they were consciously unlearning in this particular season of their life. And I, as usual, shared a lot of my own story and got vulnerable around what unlearning for me looked like. And at times, it was really interesting to unpack this whole journey of unlearning. So I was grateful for the space on the podcast to dive deep with all of you, and I absolutely loved the comments that you were sharing with me. So if you haven't listened, make sure to scroll back on season three because there are some good ones in there. One of my favorites was the episode I recorded with Rochelle Fredson where we talked about unlearning perfectionism. And then another episode where I got real vulnerable, took stock of my whole year of unlearning. So check that out. So that brings us to season four. And because of how inspired I was last year with dedicating the entire season to unlearning, I wanted to do the same this year, but it's slightly different. (laughs) Every year 
like many of you, I am assuming, I choose a word that embodies a feeling or intention that I want to be focused on. Long gone are the days that I've even thought about creating a resolution. So in 2023, my word is disrupt. Now I have a lot that I can credit the inspiration for choosing that word this year. It could be the fact that I am engrossed in this book on Frida Kahlo and am loving all of the ways that she was a disruptor and fierce spirit from her signature style to her outspoken politics to her boldness and love and art. I'm obsessed. It could be the fact that I am literally so obsessed by so many different leaders and spaces and sectors that I know little about, but am learning about how they have managed to blaze a trail and be the blueprint in spite of their fear and hesitation. Or (laughs) it could be the fact that I've been going through a major disruption in my own life. Since we wrapped our last episode of season three, I have definitely been up to some major changes, changes that have disrupted my own life for the better though. (laughs) Yes, I finally disrupted my life in the biggest way possible by taking the leap and deciding to leave my 20 plus year career in international development For my dream, my baby, my pursuit of full-time entrepreneurship and running enough labs. On the personal side, things became fully finalized with my divorce, which was a long administrative process. And honestly, it capped off the year, or really year and a half of this journey of self-discovery and healing. And there's been some high highs and some low lows and everything in between. Plus, I definitely feel like I'm going through a bit of disruption in my own patterns of thinking because I finally started giving myself permission to pursue some creative projects right now. I'm actually in the process of recording and ultimately launching a docu-series on confidence from women and girls around the world. And I say it's a disruption of my own pattern thinking because for the longest time, this has been a dream of mine and always said, well, I'm not ready, I'm not ready, I'm not ready. Well, I'm starting now, exactly where I am. And so what I feel like all three of these things have signaled to me is that when I let go of these shackles, if you will, of unreciprocated dreams, whether it's in my job or my previous relationship or even in the dreams that I've had but have been too scared to share, I realize I can really fly. Like I can really trust myself and opportunities are breaking open if I just say yes, if I just choose to believe in my own power, trust in my own timing, and just really go for it. So let's get into what I think of when I talk about disruptors, okay? To me, being a disruptor means 
challenging the status quo, introducing new and innovative ideas that shake up the current system. It's all about thinking outside the box and not being afraid to take risks to make a change. Disruption is essential for one's progress, for their growth. And without disruptors, we would just continue doing things the same way, staying comfortable, not pushing the envelope. And whether it's in our own pattern thinking or in our work, disruptors are the ones who actually challenge those traditional ways of thinking. They introduce new and better ways to do it. And for my somewhat cursory review of disruptors, I have found that they have a few things in common. First, they're not afraid to take risks and really challenge conventional thought. Secondly, they are very persistent and don't give up easily, even when faced with obstacles. And lastly, they're freaking passionate about what they do because they believe in the importance of the changes that they're advocating for and hopefully making. So I feel like I am in a season where I am fully embracing my disruptor title, but I haven't always been feeling that way. And here's why. So for the longest time, while I was in my career working for other companies and organizations, I would have to say I was low-key trying to be disruptive in my career. But I'll be honest, I wasn't always comfortable doing it. Like so many, the desire to be disruptive is there, but you're not always sure how it's gonna land. You see, I chose a field that wasn't getting a ton of exposure. And if I'm honest, it wasn't really taken all that seriously. I was constantly trying to shine a light on the importance of integrating gender and social inclusion as a key theme in international development projects. But the ideas, the strategies, the resources and templates that I was working on and putting forward, they rarely got any love. But I kept trying, I kept pushing, I kept having conversations. I was curious and willing to keep learning. And a big part of that was all of the conversations, literally hundreds of them, with women and girls around the world, with different stakeholder groups and, and different people, all having unique perspectives and their own lived experience that was really informing my sort of desire to come forward and, 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 and be that disruptive voice. And the more I learned in the context of international development and what I saw as being beyond something that we needed to do, addressing gender equality and social inclusion, it was the right thing to do. And because of the work that I was doing in my career, I, start, I started to see these parallels between the advocacy that we were doing in the gender equality and women's empowerment space in programming with similar challenges and missed opportunities right inside of the companies and organizations that I was employed by. To me, we couldn't really 
be promoting a position of equality and inclusion in programs when we weren't willing to do the internal reflection, quote unquote, walk that walk inside of our own workplace. And so I wanted to actually tell you a story, as one does, as I do, as we all do here on the Embracing Enough podcast. The story has everything to do with the very first time that I remember taking a bold step and being disruptive. All right. So I had just come back from living in France and working remotely in my role that was a gender and social inclusion advisor in a consulting firm. I came back in March and weeks prior, I had actually decided to organize an event in honor of International Women's Day. Now in the past, I had always organized some kind of event or written a thought piece to recognize the day. But for some reason, something was tugging at me that year in particular that I wanted to have a conversation with colleagues in a different way. Rather than focus externally on our programs, and let's be honest, celebrate all of the great things that we were doing, all of the successes, I challenged us to consider where we could be doing better, where we could be doing more right inside of our teams to challenge us to look internally. And so I put out the invitation. (laughs) I organized a panel of leaders from different ages, backgrounds, leadership levels, genders, to have an honest conversation about how leadership and our workplace culture could be more inclusive and how it could be more equitable. I encouraged the panel and those in the audience to really engage in this conversation, like speaking not only from their own experience and perspectives, but be honest about what we could do to improve the ways that we were leading and how we could actually influence a more inclusive workplace culture. But let me tell you, I sat in that seat as the facilitator and nothing could have prepared me for what took place that day. I was blown away. I sat in that chair as the moderator. Now this was several years ago, we were all in person and I'm facilitating this conversation with probing questions of each of the panelists. It feels, you know, really honest and candid. And I told each of them, this is intentional. Let's not sit here and applaud our accomplishments. Let's really engage and go for it and pushing the envelope to do better. And we had never had a panel where a junior staff member and a senior vice president were on the same panel being asked the same questions. And you can imagine, there were some very different perspectives present. We had actually never up until that point had a panel where we were openly talking about our failures and where we missed the mark and people were freaking loving it. Those in the audience, they had so much to say when we opened it up to the Q and a portion of the event. Colleagues were asking leadership, the hard questions, speaking up about their experiences at work and how they had honestly felt overlooked. And the thing that blew me away was that a lot of people shared the sentiment that leadership 
strategies, the way that leadership was showing up felt exclusive. There was nothing about it that was feeling inclusive. And because of that, it was leaving people really feeling uninspired by the work we were doing. Now you have to imagine in international development, people go into this field because they really care about the world and specific you know, issues and they really wanna be a part of the solution. But this is the impact that a leadership culture that doesn't take into consideration other people's opinions and really engage with people in a meaningful and authentic way can really have a negative impact. So I'm not gonna lie, the room got loud. <laughs> people were visibly upset and rightfully so. I think, I think the freedom that many people felt just to express themselves in that room and voice their frustration, it gave way to perspectives and opinions that were kept largely hidden. Now, I wish I could say that the event ushered in this new conversation around inclusion, equity, and leadership inside of our headquarters office, but it didn't. The truth is leadership wasn't ready. A lot of the feedback made leadership uncomfortable and discomfort was not something this leadership team was fond of, which sent me a huge sign for what being a disruptor really looks like. Challenging the status quo gets to be done because you believe it's the right thing to do, but it doesn't mean everyone is going to be on board with it. Well, about two months later, I resigned from my position. And there were a lot of reasons that led me to that decision, but one of them was the lack of willingness to really engage staff in the conversation around inclusive leadership and, and find solutions together. For me, the way conversations took place after that International Women's Day event, the leadership style was clear from the inaction. The leadership was top down. Those at the top, make the decisions, those at the quote-unquote bottom implement said decisions. But I still knew that I couldn't keep going on as a gender and social inclusion advisor in the international development sector and not call out the opportunities to promote these same principles that we were advocating for in our programming overseas and, and not connect them to the very experiences people were having inside of a headquarters office. So I did leave that organization, but continued on with my career. And I definitely know and can say that that experience inspired me to continue being more vocal. I started to curate discussions on things like the importance and impact of inclusive leadership styles and around why women needed spaces to discuss challenges they were, they were facing. I started engaging with my colleagues on some of the invisible barriers that don't get a lot of airtime, like salary negotiation, like how to advocate for yourself, to self-promotion, to really leaning into difficult conversations around adv advancement, and the overwhelm that can sometimes come with transitioning into a new leadership role. 
I would take every opportunity to highlight the importance of why historically marginalized groups inside of these organizations, who were our colleagues, needed to have their opinions and voices amplified and why their stories needed to be shared. I started to be seen as someone who a lot of my colleagues could rely on for their courage to show up for difficult conversations, to challenge the status quo, and to hold space for people's lived experiences, all to help raise awareness of the reality folks were facing right inside of our teams. Now I'll say many colleagues felt this way, but not all. Some colleagues would ask me, why are you getting involved in this? I was actually told by one senior leader at another organization, your tone is a little too activist for our taste. I thought, activist? What does that even mean? <laughs> or the best one, who gave you permission to talk about these topics? Being a disruptor isn't easy. It can have you being the scapegoat. It can open you up to criticism. It can feel downright isolating. And it can make you scared. You could potentially lose your livelihood, your job. Which is why I emphasized earlier in this episode that throughout my career, I was low-key trying to be a disruptor. Because honestly, I was still worried. I wanted to work on these issues, but I was still trying not to ruffle feathers. I wanted to highlight the importance of these issues, but was still trying to find middle ground to not be too off-putting or be perceived as being too much. And the downfall to all of this, beyond the exhaustion and how performative it all felt, the thing that really got me down about all of the effort I was putting into this was that I wasn't really seeing changes take shape. Now, do I think people were impacted? Absolutely. Do I think people were inspired? Definitely. But were fundamental changes taking place to move the needle on inclusion in a, in a real way? No. And if there's one thing that you wanna know about me, I love me some action. I have a pretty low threshold for talking about things to death. And here's another thing that I know about being a disruptor. It requires a certain fire in your belly to question the status quo and be willing to look for ways to improve upon it. You have to be someone who's open to new ideas and be willing to take a risk. And you can't be afraid to fail in the experimenting phase of looking to ways to innovate. In all of the ways that I've tested out being a disruptor, along with all of the conversations I've had with other disruptors, one thing is clear to me. Disruption is not just about creating something new it's it's also about making existing systems better and the reason why i think that spotlighting disruptors this season on embracing enough is so important to the conversation around enoughness is because the status quo is often a barrier to feeling empowered particularly when we're talking about individuals or groups who come from historically marginalized groups Disruption can help break down barriers. It can create new pathways for people to participate, to contribute, to thrive. And that's why I feel 
so passionate about dedicating the whole season to disruptors, but why I can absolutely scream from the <laughs> mountaintops that I am definitely a disruptor now. No low-key trying about it. And that comes with having taken the risk to go into enough labs full-time without the safety net, really going all in, chips on the table, and really go for it. Because I'm all about challenging existing norms and assumptions. And that's the work that Enough Labs is doing. It's a movement. It's a conversation that's helping to shape and influence our perspectives around what we see as possible and what's acceptable and what we can really go for. And my hope is that this season is going to do just that inspire you to disrupt your own limiting beliefs, feel motivated by the stories that you're going to hear, and to start to shake some shit up. <laughs> We're going to dive deep. We're going to offer strategies of how you can disrupt the status quo that you've been living. All because I want you, yes, you listening, to fully embrace the leader that you are. So buckle up, 2023. We're getting ready to shake some shit up. Hey friend, thanks for listening. I'm so grateful that you took time out of your day to spend some of it with us here. If this show means anything to you, it would mean everything to me if you made sure to rate, review, and follow the show on either Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen. Especially, be sure to leave a review and let me know what you thought. I live for feedback. Because even though it's only me and my guest at times speaking into the microphone, into wherever you may be listening, I want this to feel like a conversation. So I want to hear from you. Lastly, be sure to follow Enough Labs on all social media platforms. Because remember, Beyond this being a conversation, we're building a movement.